Steve Mathis production. Hello, Pope fans. Keep using that M-A-T-T-H-E-S code at btosports.com. And be sure to click the Amazon banner on PulpMX.com for your non-moto purchases. Your support makes it possible for us to continue to deliver your moto fix, and we thank you. episode of the Steve Mathis Show, there is a high chance ability. You will either learn something a lot of people don't know. You are thinking yes. or make you say to yourself Dude, that's so funny. The bottom line is, this podcast serves as archival documentation of this interview. Welcome to the Racer X Podcast Show. Brought to you by BTOsports.com Hosted by Steve Mathis. Everybody, I know you've just finished listening to a whole bunch of uh, intro crap, but I just wanted to uh, put one more thing in there before we get to the show. And thank you, everybody, for listening. Hey, look, you, we all buy stuff from Amazon. I buy stuff. You buy stuff. We all buy stuff from Amazon, let's face it. So why don't you, the next time you're buying something from Amazon, go to pulpamex.com, find the Amazon banner there on the bottom right-hand side, click to that, it'll take you to Amazon, and then you can place your order for whatever it is, either lube a baseball glove, or a car, whatever it is. Then that way, Pulpamex gets a little piece of that, and uh, we can keep on doing what we're doing. And I appreciate it. And so check it out on the link, and see you guys later. Welcome to the BTOsports.com RacerX podcast show. And usually we wrap up a race, but this week, um, no race going on on the off weekend. And so uh, myself and Jason Wygant. Yeah. And David Pingree. Yes, sir. Are all here to uh, to basically rap about a few things. Um, I guess first of all, before we get uh, too far into it, guys, um, how was the weekend off? Well, Ping, you're on a permanent weekends off, but uh, why can't? How was your weekend off? You know, it wasn't the weekend itself that was anything special, but um, I picked up a bunch of freelance stuff this summer, and I was all doing TV and doing the Race Rex website and magazine. Uh, I was pretty much on meltdown status for the last three or four months. Mm-hmm. A lot happier this week than I was last. So I'm assuming the weekend off had something to do with that. It really works. Who knew? Yeah, who knew? Just laying around, doing nothing. How dare you guys get burned out when you have such an awesome job and get to go to the dirt bike races? You shouldn't be complaining. You could be working construction, you know, five in the morning until dark. And I know. I know. <laughs> it's, 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 Yeah. It's it's our fault. It's our bad. Um, yeah. No, I you... will say, you know what? I, I never – doing the work never bothers me. And I don't know if you feel that way, Steve, but, like, I never don't want to do it. I never – I don't even mind going to the airport. I don't mind any of it. The only time I ever get stressed is, like, the situation I've been in the last couple of weeks, which is, 
you know, there's 10 assignments to do every day and you're only getting eight of them done. And then people are starting to come down on you and you're trying to juggle like nine balls in the air at one time. And you know, one of them is going to fall and you're, you know, that's when I get stressed out. So yeah, I, I never, I don't mind doing the work. I just need time to do it. Yeah, really. That that same as me. The the biggest thing, the biggest obstacle for me is I just run out of time, you know. And also, and insert laughter here. Uh, I'm a creative person, mm. but so if you, I find like if I have five stories to do, I just can't pound them out in consecutive. Like I can't sit down in front of the computer and work for you know six hours on five stories because they won't by the end of the third or fourth story i've lost my sort of creativity i need to take a break and yeah and, and like it's it's easy to type out something that's um um i don't know whatever uh i guess a race report would be all right because it's pretty much by the book and, and what happened and all that but anything that takes like creativity and and flowing thoughts i can't do all those pieces in one day i have to take a break and refresh and, and look at the article and think about how I want to go for it. You know, do you find that ping or? Yeah. I'm the same way. I, yeah. and I've to, I think I've told you this before, you know, like I try not to overload with stuff with other magazines, like, you know, uh, international publications and stuff, because the more I write, the more vanilla it gets, you know what I yeah. mean? Where if I just keep it to a few things, I have you know, I don't know. If it doesn't all start to run together, and I can be my stuff turns out better. Right, that's kind of my my point. The whole reason I even just made up made that comment about uh, your job is is I I posted a in prep last week um, on mid season burnout for riders, and, and invariably it doesn't matter what I write. There's always some jackhole <laughs> in the comments down below who's got a I can't believe these riders get burned out. Ah, this is a bunch of crap. You know, I. I work they had a real job. Right, right. They, they don't. They don't understand burnout. It's like, dude, <laughs> you don't know what you're talking about. That just makes me mad. Like I understand in, in theory, it probably sounds right. Like, wow, how can these drivers get burned out? They got such an awesome job, but those guys haven't done it. They don't know. So how, how can you sit there and say it's it's not possible when you've never done it? Yeah, I'm sure it's hard to work construction every day. I'm sure, it's no good. I'm sure sitting at a cubicle and selling insurance is gay but you know each job has its issues right no matter what it is yeah even if yeah. you're a professional motorcycle racer yeah um well your first mistake was reading the comments below that was your oh, i i know i it's <laughs> like a car crash though i it, drive by and i can't help but look right yeah we've talked about this before in another podcast the Horrible. since the new site launched and I, and I and i can't believe that the new site has anything to do with it but since the new Racer X site launched, the comments below have just reached worse than vital, I think. Just a just a vile meanness Toxic. about them, you know? Yep. Um, yep. And I don't know why. I can't figure out why. It just seems to have come on since the site, the new site launched. Well, what I figured out is um, the easier it is to do, the worse the comments are. Because if you ever look on the Facebook comments, they're, they become a level even worse. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think Vital, you have to actually go to Vital and then post something. Oh, yeah, you did say this theory before, and it made yeah, sense. You're, you're, right, you're right. already there. It's one less step. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, <laughs> and then Facebook's one less step, even less, because you're probably on Facebook already. You don't even have to go to the RacerX site to see if there's an article up. And it just gets more, more and more brutal. It's, and 
I've tried to figure out the percentages. Like, I think, like my column, the Redux column that I write every week, I think they say like 8,000 people read it or 6,000 people read it, and there's like, you know, say 20 comments. Mm-hmm. And you really take those comments as like, that must be what people think. Yeah. And it's hard to say, nope, 7,880 people read it and didn't write anything, and they might have liked it, or maybe they didn't, but I don't know. It's so hard to make those comments not the actual feedback. Yeah. Because that's, that's what you think. Yeah, I, I just yeah. I just look at my emails, um, and, and I realize yeah. that, uh, yeah. So That there is hope for this world? Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. Because uh, otherwise, I'd be, I'd be, you know, whatever, ready, ready to yeah. slip my wrist. But um, no, uh, uh, so basically, getting back to the workload thing. Yeah, I mean, I, um, I just can't sit down and pound these things out. Like a, a transcribing. I guess the worst part of my job. One, one thing I don't like is transcribing interviews because it's stop and start and stop and start mm-hmm. and and uh, so those I can kind of do without really thinking about it, you know. But yeah, th- that yeah. to me is the that's the grunt work of the job. Those I can do, but anything creative, like I sat down to write a, um, you know, I didn't do Racerhead on Friday, and I mm-hmm. didn't do my f- direct motocross Friday update, the Canadian motocross thing, and I did, I, I, and I just was like, you know what, I don't want to do that. I, I, I sit, with Racerhead, I always sit down, and by the time I'm done, it's a thousand words, a lot of it junk, but it's a thousand words, and uh, I was like, you know, I'm going to skip that. And I'm going to write something on my site about silly season, and I and I started that, and I couldn't even get into that either. And it was probably a good thing that I just, I just was like, I don't, I feel like I talk about it on the show, and I talk about it on Monday night show, and I write about it during the week. Observations call. I'm just, I'm done. <laughs> I'm done. Yeah, yeah. I'm done. It's hard because you do look at your your like to do list for the day, and you think, well. This should be like a factory. You know, I right. could do this much in eight hours. So here we go. Nine to five, eight hours, do it. But doesn't work. unlike right, yeah. a factory, yeah. it's hard to just do that same repetitive task for eight straight hours. And Ping, you're totally right. Like the more since I've taken over the, the boss role of the website, you two lackeys this year. Um, <laughs> yes, sir. Yes, sir. Dude, my writing is gone. It's probably half as good as it used to be. Like by doubling the workload the stuff has become half as good quality-wise. It's almost impossible to write funny stuff at this point. You know, you're just churning things out, and it definitely, yeah. definitely hurts the yeah. process. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I agree somewhat. I, I, I don't think my stuff, I mean, um, yeah, I'm really harsh on my stuff, so it, it, I never think any of it's any good, you know? But, well, that'd be, that'd be true. <laughs> uh, hey, Ping, so a- any regrets? Uh, obviously, you've chosen a new career path, but – is there any regrets you're not at the races on the weekends? I mean, do you miss it at all? It, did you 100% make the right decision, never look back? Or is there a part of you that goes, man, I wish I was at Redbud this weekend and just, you know? You know what? I, I, I do miss – I miss from – I miss Saturdays, you know, from like the morning till the end of the second moto. From about eight to eight thirty on Saturday mornings, I really miss that. Time. <laughs> no. I mean, in hand. Yeah, I really, I really miss the racing part of it, you know, because, you know, having guys out there that you've got this vested interest in, it's like, right. it's literally, it's, it's the closest thing you can be to actually being out there racing yourself. You know, you're feeling that adrenaline that you know you, they're on the line, the gate boards up, you just right. you're so amped up, you know, and uh, I mean. Me even more so. I, I I got laughed at several times by DeCoster because I'd be in the manager's tower like screaming and waving my jacket, and he'd look over at me and just laugh and shake his head. I'm like, 
<laughs> Sorry, dude. I'm into it. I'm, I don't know what you want me to say. I'm emotional. But uh, I really miss that. You know, like that is that was fun. But Monday through Friday at the shop, not even a little bit. No. Not Setting the, the tent up, tearing it down, traveling, hotels, restaurants, you uh, know, the, blah, blah. The, no. The, the no. tent. I totally, uh. when you add it all together, totally made the right decision. And I'm jobless right now. <laughs> Don't have a job. I still know I made the right decision. Still happy. <laughs> wow. I have no income and I'm happy. <laughs> um. I don't have, uh, yeah, I'm literally, you know, one step away. I'm just north of standing on a street corner begging for change, and I'm I'm certain I made the right decision. <laughs> uh, wow. Um, well, yeah, you know, the tent. Let's talk about the tent. Oh, God. <laughs> Putting up the tent. Taking mm. down, taking down the tent, tearing it. Oh God! Please, never let me help. Never let me do that again. <laughs> yeah, um, but uh, yeah. Well, uh, that's good. Good to hear that you're uh, you're happy about that. I mean, you know, I mean, like, do you, do you follow the racing on Saturdays? Are you? Are yeah, you no, at the totally. lot of I'm really yeah. a lot of it's been on Twitter and you know catching first motos on Ally Sports and just what this depends on where I'm at and what I'm doing, but. Yeah, I totally, you know, so easy to follow now, especially with Twitter. Right. At least being able to see, you know, get some little tweets on what's going on. And that guy that posts the Racer X Twitter, I mean, that's that's gold. Oh, yeah, golden. His, uh, yeah. Yeah, oh. I, I tell you, I laugh every time they say the 450 riders are on the gate. Oh, wait, wait. No, correction, <laughs> they're behind the gate. That oh, is, yeah. That is not me. That is not me. <laughs> that is only one man can do that. Yeah, that was. That, but no, Steve, you carry. I did that in Supercross, but you've carried the legacy forward, or somebody has. I think. Yeah, I, I think I have it. a few times, but I've. But, but I've been like in your honor. I think I've made a joke about you know. Well, by halfway through Supercross, we would literally have people tweeting, tweeting, you know, waiting in anticipation of yeah. the joke. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And uh, any emails or anything about dropping the word of the week? I've gotten a few. I think I might have passed them on to you guys. I don't know, but uh, a lot of people not happy. You know, some people understood. So, yeah, it's not a popular decision, but sometimes you need to make the need to make the tough decisions, and not the popular ones. Right, right. right. And yeah. uh, and and speaking of the word of the week, uh, one of the teams that got into it was JGR. And why can't uh, let's get a little bit of Moto news in here? Um, you you went to JGR for lunch yesterday. Yes, and the coach Joe Gibbs Senior himself was on hand. Wow. Oh, yeah, so he doesn't big. make the lunches. I didn't know that. Lunch. No, I mean, uh, I think this is something he does for all the teams. Um, oh, he, hold on he, a second. So the lunches, let me. The lunches aren't just everybody in the cafeteria. All the NASCAR people too. The huge myth, and I hope I'm not ruining the reputation of the team here. They're not even in the same building. They're not even in the same building. The motocross shop is like a quarter mile away from the the, and then the NASCAR teams aren't even in the same building. There's the cup shop and the nationwide shop you know the different levels of nascar series they're uh-huh. they're not even in the same building so no oh. when when i go there for lunch it's just you know the 10 or 12 people overall that are involved with the, the moto team oh i thought it was like a lunch for everybody at jgr and just all you jerkies sat at the same table let's say or whatever oh man that would be epic that'd be epic oh. it actually works out better this way though because you know you know this is where we you know everybody discusses what they heard about the weekend or what's going yeah, on and right. if you were if there were 300 people there involved in, you know, five different races and three different series. Okay, so, so yeah. coach, so coach came, coach, coach, he came. Yeah, he came in and uh, everybody talked to him for a little bit, and everybody's like, oh, why'd you stop by? 
And he's like, oh, I just want to talk to Jeremy about something real quick. And we were like, oh, okay. And then we all just shuffled away and, like, ran. <laughs> like, so afraid. Like, don't get in his way. He, he wants to talk business. Don't mess anything up. You know, uh, I can't figure Coach out. I can't yeah. figure Coach out. <laughs> I'm working on it still. What do you mean? Well, again, you know how I am, like, uh, um, with different people. I'm on to things. I'm on to people and organizations in the sport and all that, right? Like You, you, have, your, you have your rants. I right, know. right. And I'm not saying this in a bad way about Coach, but, okay, the guy used to win Super Bowls. He then developed this NASCAR team from scratch into, like, a multi, multi-million dollar corporation, okay? Right. He's, he's got, I don't know how many employees, 400 or something? It's pretty insane. They showed me a picture of their Christmas, the, the, the team's Christmas card from last year, and it does look like there's about 400 people, and then wedged in the corner – are two dirt bikes, Millsaps, Brayton, and like five dudes. <laughs> Brayton's cut off. Brayton's cut off, yeah. <laughs> um, okay, so he's got all this going on. He's won some Super Bowls. You know, he's got, he seems to show up at the odd motorcycle race. He seems like a really nice guy. And I can't figure it out because how do you win Super Bowls without just yelling and barking at the players, you know? And then how do you, develop such a winning organization and you're the CEO without being like this cutthroat sort of car salesman-ish guy. How can you appear on the outside to be like a folky, good-natured, how you doing type of guy, corncob pipe on the porch type of guy? Oh, certainly someone. I bet you even Coy is someone probably tell you pretty straight like, you know, in the huddle, does he, did he scream at players? I'm sure they'd tell you yes or no if you asked. They said no. They said he does not do that. No. I mean, obviously a few times he had to let – but I can't figure Coach out. I'm not sure if there's something underneath there that's just lurking. Yeah, but maybe, maybe that's his deal, you know. You leave the screaming to, like, the offensive and defensive coordinators and the guys running the training drills and stuff, you know, and he's like the calm, rational voice of reason. But even, like, building this NASCAR organization and being as successful as they are and somehow raising Coy um, – you know, there's got he just he seems you almost. He, you think he has to be a dick? He seems not. He doesn't have to be a dick, but he seems way too nice. There's something going on. <laughs> yeah, the stereotype of the football coach is the fiery, right? Like right. And then, right. And then, and then you do that. And then I would think the same thing with um with the NASCAR thing. You don't get to, you know, like you gotta be sort of a an alpha dog CEO type of guy, right? Don't you to to, to have a successful team and corporation like that i mean he's not making toothpaste he's racing you know and uh i don't know it's the same level as football because i don't know if they I'm you just, know firing uh, people up and making them intense to go out there and hit people for 30 minutes seems but a yet different. like in, at the races he's leaning against the counter in the truck by himself yeah. Yeah. and he's staring yeah. off into space and yeah. when he sees me I, I think he recognizes me he may not know my name coy says that he hates me but i think he's just joking <laughs> um he just goes how you doing and like with a with a recognizable sort of tone, I think he knows I'm some sort of media guy. Uh, it just I'm trying to figure it out. I haven't got. Yeah, I, I was haven't, excited. I haven't, uh, I haven't uh, got you, went coach. to introduce me to him yesterday, and then he actually said, "No, no, we've met." So he's aware, right? Because you know he's come on our webcast three or four times and yeah. stuff like that. So so this he, message, I'm on to you, Coach Gibbs. I'm on <laughs> to you. <laughs> no, I'm just saying. You know what I mean? He seems like a great. You're right. Really I can't great guy. See him firing everyone up in the the stereotypical. You know, I want to. I want to see you hit these guys or yeah. whatever they. What do they scream? Tear their effing heads off. 
Yeah. You know? like, can he do that? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Oh, yeah. So. Good question. Uh, anyways, whatever. Uh, I think he's a great guy. He seems like a great guy. I'm just trying to figure it out still. Um, so any news? Any? Um, well, Ping, you reported. We got to rush this because uh, we're already half hour in, I think, on this podcast. Ping, uh, you mentioned in Razorhead last week that it looks like a Dungey to KTM's a done deal. Um, the JGR guys say they, you know, they heard, you know, that he he does seem like he wants to go there, but they don't know if it's a done deal. Um, but I guess, hey, if a guy wants, this isn't what they're saying. This is what I'm saying. I guess if a guy wants to go there, that kind of does sometimes mean it's a done deal or it will be. Um, so everybody's kind of heading in the same direction there, it seems. Yes. Um, well, Pink, go ahead, and then I'll take you to task. No, on just, something. you know, I, I, that's what I heard fr- from a couple of people who uh, you would think would know, but, again, it's, it's not mm-hmm. right out of Roger's mouth. And anytime I try to ask those guys, I was even did a, a 2012 uh, KTM two-stroke intro yesterday, and I was picking Tom Mullen's brain, you know, the media oh, God, guy. Oh, good like, luck at that. Yeah, I don't know. You know, he's like super mellow. He's not going to give anything up. So, you know, nobody will confirm it, but that's the word. So it'll be interesting to see, uh, you know, I don't know. What what are your thoughts? I talked to DeCoster yesterday. He's been in Austria, um, and he – I talked to him yesterday. He says he doesn't really – he knows all the agents in the sport, but he doesn't know Ryan's new agent who comes from IMG. He doesn't know how the guy plays. He doesn't know if he says it seems good. He seem, but I don't know what he's telling me and what he's telling other teams because he doesn't know the person. Do you know what I mean? So he seemed confident yet not so confident. He seemed a little unsure of, sure of how the deal was coming together. But at the same time, he said it. He did say I think they believe. I believe he said the words. It looks. It looks all right. So we'll see. Um, what do you think, Wagon? Yeah, I mean, uh, I, like I said, I said this a couple of weeks ago on here. Everybody's waiting for that situation yeah. because it will change. Uh, as we're hearing, this could now have ripple effects with other brands, other teams. You know, we've heard JGR had entertained maybe going to different brands, and we all know these Stewart rumors are going to other brands. And mm-hmm. in the end, everybody could stay where they're at. Uh, I've heard, you know, you hear huge things about Reed's team and how aggressive Honda wants to be. I think we heard some rumors of a Honda team trying to come in and get Dungy or what is Larry Brooks going to do? You know what I mean? There's yeah. all these different things in play. It's way more complicated than it used to be 15 years ago when there were four factory teams and they each had room for either two or three riders, and that was it. You could just bounce and, between those four posts. And Ping, Ping says there's a new team coming in. He's not going to tell us anything, but there's another new team coming in. Oh, but Ping, they're not, are they going to be on the level to get a really good rider? Uh, no, no, okay. no, 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 Just, just I a mean, team you know, coming in. Yeah, just a new team. No startup team is going to come in and. <clears throat> uh, Ping, did you get We're going my... after Dungey. <laughs> uh, Ping, did you get. <laughs> yeah, we're going after Dungey, big time. Uh, Joe, Jim's bump sticks. Has given I'm not us... sure what brand we're going to ride yet, but, you know. We want you riding. You should ride well, for yeah, us. But L&M, that is essentially how L&M started. That's a good point. Ooh, good they point. They started with Chad Reed, and they. Either ended with James Stewart or should, or they tra- like I don't know is it over I don't know <laughs> yeah but yeah technically uh, they ended with James Stewart I guess why don't we ask L and M's team manager oh wait never mind uh, <laughs> uh, I talked to Larry yesterday via text message uh, oh boy uh, still not giving anything up he was more interested in sharing old photos he found of himself crashing um, uh, than than talking about anything legitimate um, I thought I had him coming out of his 
out of his shell, out of the hole. You know how you wait there for a groundhog to pop up? Mm-hmm. You wait and you wait. Mm-hmm. I saw his whiskers. I saw the tip of his nose. But now he's back in. He's gone back down. Now i got to wait again. <laughs> so uh, that, that's been more interesting than, uh, than anything else, trying to figure out, hey, Larry, can we just do a simple interview? I guess there's still stuff going on, you know, so we'll see. Um, uh, oh, one thing I did want to talk about, Ping, did you get my text message or my picture message from uh, Mr. Tim Ferry? Uh, no. You didn't? Uh-uh. Well, after you, well wrote, after you wrote in Razorhead that Tim Ferry was out there riding with no Sam Manuel graphics, he texted me. Oh, and, yeah, 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 I right, did, I did. Right. No, no, no. Yeah, right, I did. Okay. He just texted me a photo of his bike that had Sam Manuel graphics on it. It had a big Red Bull logo on it. It wasn't the typical graphics with the stuff he's been running all year. Well, there was Sam Manuel. But there was Sam Manuel on it? Yes. It was little. Well, I don't know. I couldn't tell dimensionally how it was, but he just wanted to pass that on. Oh, well, if there was, you couldn't see it in a photo even. The one you sent me, all you see is the Red Bull logo. Uh, I don't know. Look at it again. Look again. I think I can see it pretty good. Yeah, I thought it was. It's not like a slapping yeah, a. I've, got, I've got it open right now, and it, it's it's the normal picture. That's their normal graphics. That's what James has been running all year. Yeah, yeah. So, all right. So I'm just saying, maybe I will make a I will make the appropriate correction in race red. Um, Weej, I just sent it to you. No, I think you already did. Oh, week. did I? Oh, okay. Yeah, right. I'll, I'll check it out again. I'll, I'll, I'll vote. <clears throat> Um, all right, let's let's uh, let's move on to something that we touched on yeah. last week. Um, best and worst jobs. Um, I sent out a, a, an email the other day to you two guys that with some different categories. Do you want to start on that one, or do you have any, do you want to start another? Do you have another favorite one, or is that where we should start? We can start there. Okay. That was the premise of the whole. thing. Yeah, let's it go. was. It was. So so uh, your best job um, or worst job. Where do you want to start on that? Worst job, why get still your six flags? Is that basically? Well, uh, man, to vote would be tough because I did mention the working the, the chance prize wheels at Seaside Heights and uh, getting challenged <laughs> by Holly yeah. D and Mike the Situation for checking out their girlfriends. If you folks don't remember from last week, should I just explain it again real quick? Sure, yeah. yeah if you uh, want. When I was 14 and 15, uh, I worked at Seaside Heights the actual home of the Jersey Shore show, at least in most seasons, and uh, would work the prize wheel where people would come up and throw a nickel down on Blue Mom. And if the wheel stopped on Blue Mom, they won a stuffed panda, which seriously must have been worth less than a nickel, that they wouldn't be giving these things away for any other reason. So it wasn't, the way these it wasn't rigged or anything? Them. It wasn't rigged or anything like you see... Oh God, no! Yeah, right. yeah I no. picture you like Joe Dirt on the with the little plates, and he's spraying <laughs> yeah. Pam on them, and they're throwing nickels trying to get him to stick. Oh, oh, yes, we did have some of the games of skill, and we had the heart. <laughs> we we had the games of skill, and all these games of skill, it's like there's just a trick to it, and once you learn the trick, you can do it every time. So did you ever say like the trick? Did you ever say like, well, God forbid you don't win on the first try, cheap skate. Didn't throw that out. <laughs> Grew my hair out. Uh, he, we had the first day actually. I, it, they didn't let me start in the chance wheel. I had to start in the game of skill, which was we had a like an empty beer bottle laying on its side, and then you had like a fishing line with a ring that was the same size as a beer bottle, and you had to dangle the ring over the beer bottle 
hook it over the, the, the top of it, and then try to pull the beer bottle and get it to stand up. Um, and it was almost impossible to do until you figured it out. I don't remember what the trick was at this point. It's 15 some years ago. But I figured out, you figure out how to do it. It's like your natural thing always makes it fall all the way over to the other side, and you just figure out the technique to get it to stand straight up. So I could do it every time. So people would be like, all I got to do is this. Yep, it's this easy. And I win that. Yeah, it's yeah, this easy. It's this easy. And they would struggle and be like, man, I almost got it. Man, I almost got it. Man, I almost got it. No one would ever get it. Yeah. Once a week, someone would win this thing. But the best part was I could go like down to the other end of the boardwalk at the end of the night where they also had the game and just win whatever I wanted on the first play all the time. I mean, if there's ever a reason, you know, sweepstakes say, you know, employees and family members are right. not eligible, right. I should not have been allowed to go to, like, Point Pleasant boardwalk up the road. It's, uh, it's too bad you dominate. were such a nerd and a geek and into backyard wrestling that you couldn't get a chick and to impress her. <laughs> right? Well, that was – that was the whole problem because when Snooky would come by with Paulie D and Mike the Situation right. or the 1993 version, um, and I would be staring at the ground, bored, 12-hour right. shift, breaking all child labor laws, I'm sure. <laughs> I, think, I think I got paid four fifty an hour, which is below minimum wage. I don't know how this was legal. Um, then one of the guys would be like, hey, you looking at her? <laughs> <laughs> There was no good answer because if you said no, then she wasn't hot enough. You were saying she wasn't hot. And if you said yes, then you were checking out his girlfriend. So either way, he was going to beat the shit out of you. Ping, I picture, uh, I picture Weege in a, in, a, in a red and white striped jacket and, sh- and pants with a, with, a, Arnival. with a corn hat on, like a, a round hat made of straw or whatever. <laughs> I, I, just, I just picture him like that, maybe with a pointer. Maybe he's got a pointer stick. You know, to, to kind of just smack the, the toys. and. Smack. Well, this is where I, I feel like my motivation in life came from. We had one game where you actually had a microphone. They had a horse racing game where you would roll, like, you guys ever played, like, ski ball? You know what that yeah, is? Yeah, You roll the ball, and it has to go in a certain – you'd roll the ball, and depending on what target you the ball fell into, your horse would go faster. <clears throat> it's like a horse racing game. Yeah. And they had a microphone, and you would announce the race, the horse race. Oh, the beginnings of why? Oh, uh, we just humble beginnings. I wanted in there so bad. Two summers went by; they never gave me the shot. So I feel like everything right. I'm doing now is to show. You should go back there. <laughs> you should go back there with a megaphone and call the race over top of the guy who's really calling it. <laughs> and then you'd be like, "Take that!" You know, I'm, I'm doing it. Walk away. I'm doing it just better walk. than that guy. Just walk away. Um. <laughs> I, I, I mean, that's what you should do to complete the circle, you know, and yeah, show you're those right. guys. That, yeah. I think that's, that's my dangling carrot. I just want to announce that horse racing game at Seaside. That's all I really now, want. Now, we had that thing come through uh, Winnipeg, Canada every year, um, you know, a, a carnival, a traveling carnival. The people that were working the event, the carnies, were very scary. Was that sort of your fellow employees, or was this more – because it was permanent, was it more of a um, – yeah, it was a little bit different. It was no different than – I mean, I'm not saying that the people working at your local McDonald's aren't scary. It's just that level. Yeah, but I don't okay. know if that's carny level. No, carny okay. level I think is below that. Yeah, yeah. yeah exactly. Yeah, now, yeah. it was just pretty typical. I mean, whether you went to the Boardwalk at Seaside or any fast food joint, it's just high school people. Or we did have foreigners who I believe they would have, you know, like 15 French dudes all staying in one room all summer long. And Ping, I know you're – how you will attest to this. They're probably not known much for the hygiene in the first place. 
<laughs> then you stick 15 of them in a one-room apartment all uh, summer long. Who, who would pay for the apartment? The, the company? Yeah, I think it was some sort of like oh. they dangled, you know, hey, come to the United States and do an internship. <laughs> Can you imagine the, the French guys trying to pick up the Jersey girls with their accent? Oh. Bonjour. That, je m'appelle. That's probably the only reason I didn't right. get beat up by any of those guys because they would probably go after the French dudes first. Yeah. yeah. There would be anything better for one of those guys to beat up than a French uh, guy. Where'd you make more money on the on the, the Seaside Carnival or the Six Flags? Uh, by Six Flags, I was actually in college. I, and oh. I was making a solid $10 an hour. Which oh, shit. Massive. Okay. All right. Yeah. My bad. The Six Flags had a hierarchy of name tag color. Um, you had a black name tag when you were, like, at the bottom. <laughs> then, then you went to red, and then you went to blue. Mm-hmm. It's like karate, like different belts. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. That's right. Yeah. So at one point I was the black name tag, and then the next as a regular employee, then the next year I was back as an intern, and I went to blue without ever going to red in between. And there was a lot of animosity over that. Oh, there was. Yeah, I had not paid my dues because I think they right. paid you an extra ten cents an hour to be like the manager. Of you the, had not paid your dues. I had not paid my dues. Look at that Wygan guy over there thinking he's so good. I really think it was like a blue collar white collar thing. Like when I came in with my strap-on tie, which I, you know, soon learned to make it a clip-on. Yep. They were like, oh, this guy's coming in out of the office. He's one of the supervisors. <laughs> Get him. He's a suit. He's White a suit. collar. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, I, I actually, I stayed in Tom's River, New Jersey. Oh, yeah. Um, and uh, with Ty Birdwell back in the day. And wow. we went to Seaside, like the little... Thing, the boardwalk and all that. And, and what year would this have been? This would have been '97, the fall was of. Was it during 90... the summer? No, the fall of '97. I think, ah. like Steel City time, Binghamton time. Ah. You know, sometime around then. Yeah. What if so I was going to say? Know. If you saw a red truck driving around with three dudes like screaming stuff at the Jersey Shore guys late at night, that would have been us. <laughs> okay. Yeah, all right. Yeah. <laughs> Perhaps. I, I, yeah. We would like. We would drive past my friends and I. We'd like drive past the, those clubs that you see on the show. And, like, two of the Pauly D, Mike the Situation guys would be walking into the club together. And my friend would just roll down the window and go, oh, man, I didn't know they opened a gay club. And, man, <laughs> you have never seen rage. Calling those guys gay is, like, the ultimate insult, yeah. too. Like, that is – Exactly. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you would just drive away and you just hear in the background, just la, 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 <laughs> just fading out. Uh, what, uh, what about you, Ping? What, what what's the worst job? Worst job? Well, you touched on it last week, but uh, yeah, I mean, I kind of talked about it last week. I don't think there's a whole lot more to say about that one. Um, Just cleaning the urinals. You know, <laughs> cleaning urinals. It, you know, pulling pubic hairs off the little urinal cakes. It's like <laughs> I don't know if there is a lower form of occupation. Yeah, yeah. What I don't was know. the term you used? You were a salt, or you were a oh, we're just piss boy. That was my piss boy. That was it. Yeah. Piss boy. I guess that's a local term here. I, I yeah, don't know. We got some emails about that, or I, I did, anyways. Piss boy. Yeah. Yeah, that's just a guy knew it. Know, a guy knew it, or he he understood it, or something. I don't, I don't yeah, know. you're you're just a piss boy. You you do whatever anyone else doesn't want to do. Crap. Hmm. Um, what about what about your worst job in the motocross industry, though? That was, that was another question. If uh, we go there, that's a little more relatable. Yeah, that should be juicy. Well, well, why can't only got one job? You guys go. Why can't you've only got one job? Or the flagman. Would it be flagman? Yeah, but but I've had 
quite a variety of titles and duties. I've got a pretty good story, but I feel like I've spoken a lot. So you guys okay. go ahead, and I'll, I'll get mine in. Well, I would think, Ping, for you, I mean, if you're a yeah, racer. This is, this is a no-brainer. Right. Moto, Moto World. <laughs> Moto World. <Yeah>. No-brainer. <laughs> um, Paul Lindsay's probably crying right now if he listens uh, to this. Poor Paul. I, I like Paul Lindsay, but um, you know what's really weird about that year? And and I was well. First of all, too terrible bikes. Well, that was the whole thing it, it, because we had a really good staff. This is what was kind of weird because Paul did a good job. He was super organized and pretty on top of it. He, you know, he he always had budget issues. So <laughs> shocker. Yeah, it wasn't like we had every resource available. You know, but um, Ed Longacre, you guys remember him? He was a, he was a good mechanic. Good, you know, he was kind of our engine development guy, bike development, and he was good little rough around the edges but like old ed knew what he was doing he was a factory suzuki mechanic worked for lusk for a long time there um and then dean gibson was my mechanic Dino's an awesome mechanic uh we we had a good group of guys but for some reason those bikes sucked it was just terrible um that's really all i could say about that that bike i, I think spit me on my head more times like i would go to anaheim one of the rounds at Anaheim, I actually missed some races because I went to seat mount something and the bike wouldn't even hold its RPM when I seat mount something. Like, <laughs> you put any load on the motor and the RPMs dropped. It was like a hamster on a wheel inside that thing. And anytime you loaded it up, it all, yeah, like it just would lug down. And so I'd go flying over the handlebars. <sighs> missed a couple races for that one. Then San Diego broke both my arms because. I went into a set of whoops, but I couldn't get through them all day, so I grabbed another gear, tried to go in them like a maniac at the cartwheels. <laughs> that was just a rough season. Wow. Yeah. That was the Yamaha or Kawasaki Suzuki Union that really was a bad idea, it seemed, from the start, and it only lasted. Well, no, no, no. This was 125 still. Oh, it was? Yeah. Oh. I never raced four strokes. Like, I, 03 was my last full season. <laughs> Oh, and so that, that was when just Yamaha made them. That was an R125. Before Moto then. World went to um, Yamaha's. Yamaha's. Um, RM125 then, 03. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. All right. I so was the whole team, was the whole, like, it had good people, but I mean, was the whole thing like a wreck, like, budget-wise, or was it just the bikes? Um, <clears throat> for me, it was just, it was the bike, you know. I, there, like I said, there, we weren't. We didn't have money to throw around, and we didn't have titanium did you, kits on the bike, or we didn't have, you know, there was a lot of stuff we had to kind of skimp and cut corners. But Did you have another offer from somebody else, and you chose the Motor World thing? Um, I had a couple offers, but they were all, you know, not so awesome. Right, right. So <laughs> so you were stuck with Motor World as, as you know, yeah. Um, yeah, kind of. <laughs> well, because what, I, what happened, and this was a, you know, in, in 2002, the year before, I actually had, had done well in Supercross. I was That's when I broke my bike in half. I won Anaheim to mm-hmm. well, second in points until my bike broke in half. You know, I had like a pretty solid season. and But I just did a Supercross-only contract with them. Yeah. So summer came, and I thought that would be awesome. I don't know what I was thinking at the time. I was, you know, well, you thought it would be awesome. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So... I got about a month into that, and I was like, wow, I'm really bored, you know. Um, I want to go racing again. So 
I, I actually rode for Plano Honda the rest of that summer. And coincidentally, one of the best summers I've ever had. Like, had so much fun. Sheik was managing it. Um, who's riding for him? Casey Johnson. Was Curry, um, Curry still there? Travis Elliott. And somebody else. Curry? Or was he gone? No, it wasn't, it wasn't Curry. He was already gone. Kenny Watson remember. involved with this. No, Watson, anyway. Watson was out. Sheik. Uh, Watson was out. Sheik uh, took over. Anyway, we had a lot of fun. Was it Tedesco? Maybe. Could have been. No, 03, Tedesco had a Honda Troy, or Yamaha Troy, I think. Yamaha Troy, yeah, you're yeah, right. Yeah, because that was, God, that was my was first it? year at Yamaha. Geo Tedesco? No. Um. Anyway, yeah. anyway, we had a lot of fun, but that bike was really slow, too, so I could never get a start, and I didn't. I have to come from the back every time, so my results were just okay. I yeah. ended up around tenth a lot. Right. So, coming but, you know, in, yeah. tenth place isn't getting you an awesome ride the next year. So. Right. Right. Huh. Anyway. Yeah. Well, it sounds sounds like fun. Hey, what, didn't that year? Didn't you show up on a KTM at the opener? Yeah. Or, or something. What? Pick one hill, and yeah, I just I rode my practice bike. Yeah. Oh, you did? Yeah, actually, I did all right. I think I got like a sixth first moto. And maybe I crashed one motor or something, but... KTM basically was like, hey, we don't, we don't want you for the outdoors at all, even if you're bored. Well, um... Yeah, basically. <laughs> <laughs> because, you know, how 2001 went. I was so over it. I almost quit that year. I actually had a long talk with Coombs about... I said, man, you know, you think I should start working in the magazine? I'm just not having fun. Not into it. Mm-hmm. And he he told me he's like, dude, race as long as you can race. Says, if you got a job offer, take it. Right. When you're done, we'll figure something out. He goes, but don't you, you'll regret it if you just quit. He goes, race as long as you can race. So that's what you did. Lasted two more years. <laughs> uh, hey guys, thanks for listening to the BTOSports.com Racer X podcast show. It's that time. Time for a commercial. Thanks for listening to the BTOSports.com podcast show. Please don't forget that BTO is the world leader in aftermarket motocross parts for the bike or body. You'll find deals like a Shoei VFXW helmet for $309.99, 45% off, or Smith Piston goggles for $32.99, 65% off. Your order can be shipped in anywhere in the USA for free. Or if you're not in the USA, we ship worldwide. Check it out at BTOsports.com. Why again? What about what about you? What's a uh... um. When I first start, I first uh, started in 2001 uh, at the same company I still work for now. Um, but 2002 is like my first full year, so I was like on the road. You know, my job was GMCC, uh, local motocross at Pennsylvania and, uh, you know, High Point Steel City, and then go to Loretta's. And uh, I always had the most flexible travel schedule because I pretty much had like one bag worth of clothes, and that was about it, that I had too. I didn't have any kids, and everybody else was, you know, shoveling their shifting their travel schedule around. The point is, Time Florettas comes up, and I'm going to inevitably be the last one to leave town to drive down there. Everybody goes down a few days early or a month early, whatever. I'm going to work in the office to the last minute and then drive down there. So um, Tim Coombs, Davey's brother, has a son who I think is 12 at the time. And uh, he was divorced, so the son lived in Maryland a few hours away. So... He would get custody of the son for the week of Loretta's, but Timmy was already gone building the track by the time the weekend began. <laughs> so they needed someone to bring the kid down to Loretta's, and I was, of course, the last one yeah, to leave. Right. 
You know what you were, Weege? What's that? Piss boy. Piss, oh, 100% piss boy. 100%. (laughs) So they're like, do you mind meeting Tanner, uh, Timmy's son, at the office like noon Saturday and driving down to Loretta's with him? And I'm like, oh, God, I'm a babysitter road trip with a 12-year-old kid I think I met maybe once or maybe I hadn't even met him. I don't even know. So it's awkward for all of us. And then, of course, him and the mom only actually show up at like 4 o'clock instead of noon. And it's, I think, 11 hours to drive to Loretta's. So it's now 4 o'clock, and I'm like, well, how is this going to work? Like, i got to drive either all through the night. Right. And I've already been up all day working, like, planning on leaving at noon. And I don't want to stop in a hotel. Like, I don't even know if I'm allowed to do that. Anyway, he was, Tanner was a big fan of South Park, probably still is, big fan <laughs> of South Park. Right. The episode that had been on the night before was an episode about how the students had a teacher named, and follow all this, please. The students had a teacher named Miss Chokes on Dick. Miss what? <laughs> yes, that was the episode of South Park. And she had choked and died um, from swallowing too much semen. That was the episode of the show. And the kids on South Park didn't understand, like, what, did she eat too much fish? Like, what does that mean? choking on semen like there are real semen I, I thought that was like a fictitious thing in a book <laughs> so the kids went on this mission to find out wow what is a semen what is a seaman yeah. how come we've never heard about this this mythical creature so tanner the 12 year old watches that episode the night before you know how 12 year olds are they get something stuck in their head and they can't stop talking about it so hour after hour on the road he's just doing the cartman impression and just talking about south park and doing the cartman impression and just going where are the seamen? Where are the sea people? Where are the seamen? <laughs> so finally it's like 1 in the morning, and we're somewhere in the middle of Kentucky. We've only made it halfway there, and I'm like, we're going to have to get a hotel. I, I, this is just not going to work. Right. So we go to check into this hotel, and the age con- uh, combination is very strange. I think I was 24, and he was 12. <laughs> he's like too young to be my brother and too old to be my son. Yeah. So why would these two people at 1 in the morning in Kentucky out on the road? <laughs> Need a hotel. Like, why? So we're checking in, and every hotel's full. It's like past midnight, and I guess every hotel's full. So it's like the fifth hotel we get to. We're checking in, and I'm like, do you have any rooms? And they're like, yes, we do. And I'm like, finally, man, every hotel we've gone to is full. And he says, he's standing behind me, and he's like, why are all the hotels full? Are they filled with semen? <laughs> And, the, and it. like uh, locking them, bring out the cuffs. Yeah, <laughs> bring out the handcuffs. Oh, and, and the, yeah. <laughs> You're like, welcome to uh, welcome to MX Sports, where you are the piss boy. Yeah, I was waiting for the guy at the front desk to be like, and I'm sure you probably only need one bed. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so king size, then, sir. So, <laughs> yeah. so really, so that kind of stuff. Your your early years of just being a gopher. Slash piss boy is it was was worse than flagging at English Town. Oh yeah, I mean nothing's more awkward than this. Like you're right. dealing with you're like babysitting some your boss's child. Like yeah, yeah. You you think you know you just don't want to screw up and get fired, and they put their kid in your hands. Uh, at Loretta's the next year for the GNCC in April, everybody's having a big conversation. It's like Troy Bramblin and a couple of the team people are down there, and I'm like, wow, I'm really in on this. I'm getting inside scoop. I'm part of the industry. This is yeah. big. Right. And then all of a sudden, uh, Carrie Davy's sister turns to me and she goes hey, what are you doing? And I'm like, nothing. And she's like, go to the shower house and give Trevor a shower. That's her son, who was like six at the time. I'm like, what? She's like, give him a shower. He's been walking around all day. 
And I'm like, uh, I don't know how to do that. She's like, what's so hard about a shower? Give him a shower. There's a shower house over there. Uh, so that's the kind of stuff I'm talking about. <laughs> Give him a shower. Give him a shower. Damn, you better wash his undercarriage. Yeah, you make sure you get his, make sure you get his peas and carrots. <laughs> wow. Oh, Jesus. Luckily, I did find someone to take the reins. Um, you know, another mom who he had hung out with before who... You're like, hey, listen, uh, I don't really know what I'm doing. Uh, yeah. yeah. Somebody hurt. I was like, uh, well, well, you know, I walked away, like, as loud and disgust as possible. Yeah. Well, I got to go over to this shower house and give a six-year-old a shower. <laughs> Anyone, please? <laughs> Hopefully there's no scoops going on in the GNCC series because I'll be in the shower with a six-year-old. <laughs> yeah. Oh, good times. Yeah, yeah it, was, it, was, it was pretty good. Much worse than being a flat Being a flagger. Hey, they paid me 50 bucks. I couldn't really, you know, I got to watch the races. Right. Got to Old watch. in the March, that was about it. You, Otherwise, it was all right. You got to bask in the greatness of Karsten and, and, and Kessler right there, two feet well, from Well, when I finally got uh, elevated to the elevator jump, mm-hmm. you know, that big, that big right. jump they have there, man, and you'd watch the battles with uh, Karsten and, and Ty Wallace or somebody like that. Yeah. Man, I'd be cheering. Like, I had the best seat in the house. <laughs> you were that. And I really thought that they maybe noticed that. Like, I figured one day I'd get the guts up to go to the pits and introduce myself. Right. And I'd be like, I'm the guy that's always cheering on that big jump. But I never. <laughs> Who are never. you cheering for, though? Like, like, are you pulling for one guy or are you just cheering? Cause just... Cheering for the battle, man. <laughs> You're that guy. Uh-huh. Yeah, I was cheering for the battle. But I was only doing it so I would have, like, a, a way to introduce myself. Like, hey, I'm the guy that cheers right. on the top of that but jump. But you never you know did. I mean? But I, no, I never had the guts. No, never, never approached such greatness. No, like I have, you know, Chad Reed, James Stewart's, you know, cell phone number in my phone, which is in my pocket right now. But Carsten, no, no way. Uh, hey, who's your favorite rider growing up? Why well, Do you have? Did you have a like? Was there somebody bigger, bigger than Carsten Kessler? I wasn't. It's kind of weird to say this, but I never. Does it make sense to say that you like follow the races and just like wanted to know who was going to win? But I never was really like. The only thing I ever felt, and I hate to say this, I did not like when Jean-Michel Bale came over and started winning races, and I regret that to this day. <laughs> it was so lame. But I was like 13, and you go to the races, and Larry Myers would have everybody fired he up. Would, and like, yeah. ooh, um, the commies. <laughs> you know, this is our sport. We invented Supercross. <clears throat> right. <laughs> and, hey, the Gulf War was going on. Can I throw that in? Yeah, by the way, right? Yeah. Yeah. Can and I, even though the French have nothing... I feel horrible about saying that. And even though the French uh, have nothing to do with the Gulf War, let's boo them anyways. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> they were evil. Uh, I don't know, but I really never, like, I really liked RJ, but it was one of those weird things where I would look back on it and be like, that guy was really cool, but I never remember, like, when RJ was battling Wardy, like, that was the first, right. like, when I was first a fan, those were the guys. I never had a favorite between either one. I just thought, these guys are so awesome. What about, you, what about you, Pink? Um, and then, yeah, I, I was Wardy was my guy. So yeah, I was I was RJ guy. I was an as, RJ guy. As cool as RJ was and stuff, right. he was like the flamboyant, louder, you know, right? Flashy guy. He Wardy did just was like yeah, kind of quiet. Did his thing. Worked hard. And he was short. He was a short little st- stocky guy. <laughs> short. I, I was short. I knew. I knew I was gonna be vertically challenged. So, <laughs> well, I, I immediately, seriously, yeah. I was. I was like, forty can do it. That's that's my guy. Oh no, I was an RJ guy. I mean, RJ just killed him. No handers, you know. Thumbs up to the crowd. I mean, everything that Wardy wasn't, RJ was. So, uh, yeah. Wagant, well, you got to go. I got uh, 
I got like two minutes. I got two minutes. Um, Can I give you my best job? Yeah. My best job, and this is going to make zero sense. It's going to make zero sense. The best job I ever had, it's close. One year at Six Flags, I did get to upgrade and work the um, – we had the Batman stunt show, <laughs> yeah. um, which was awesome because this is really my roots in the motocross industry because it was a stunt show where they would have, like, a Batmobile drive around and shoot fireworks and then a couple of, you know, old, like, DR350s with, like, big Batman fairings on the front shooting fireworks. Right. So – I got into that, which was great, because it was like, instead of hourly work, it was just like you had four shows a day. You know, I would, like, rebuild the set when they blew stuff up and everything. And that was about as fun as it got. It was like the first job I ever had where you were, like, you were respected as an employee. It wasn't like you were a machine standing yeah. in front of this cash register right, for right. 15 hours. Right. Yeah, you had a skill. Use your skill, then take a break, then come back and just do your job. But the best part was there actually was a motocross connection. Like, I'm meeting everybody on the staff. And one of the bad guys is, uh, I keep calling him Jerry, and I don't know his name, and then they say his name is Jerry Sipe, and I'm like, wait a minute. I remember a guy named Jerry Sipe used to battle Kessler. <laughs> There's no way. <laughs> it's not it's impossible. <laughs> it impo- can't be the same guy. So I say, I was still flagging at the time. And I'm like, yeah, not going to be able to work on a Sunday because i got to go to a motocross track, uh, Raceway Park. I am a flagger there. <laughs> and he's like, What? <laughs> I'm like, yeah, I'm a flagger. I work at the motocross track. And he's like, well, I'll be racing. And I'm like, are you actually the Jerry Sipe? Which is probably the first time he'd ever been referred to. <laughs> right, 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 right. <laughs> the Jerry Sipe. He's like, yeah. I'm like, I remember you, man. You used to battle. What's that? You used to battle Mickey Kessler and, and Joel Dangler and all those guys. And then he was pumped, and he's like, hey, we got a racer on our hands here. And I was like, no, I'm really just a flagger. And then they just looked at me with, like, the most puzzled look. And then, lo and behold, I walked past this truck like this Sunday morning with my flag. And I'm like, hey, what's going on? And they were like, wow, I guess it's really true. Wow. And that was the first time I had ever, I'm not even joking, it's like the first time I had ever talked to a motocross racer. Weege, if you hadn't gotten hooked up with MX Sports, would you still be flagging? <laughs> Dude, it was like 50 bucks. 50 bucks no, I mean, there's, there's guys here, like, you know who I'm talking about. There's a dude that's been flagging as long as I can remember. Got like blonde curly hair, a little goatee. He does all the Southern California races. And he, some he dyed his hair pink for the uh, pink race. You guys know who I'm talking about? No. He's made the magazine there are a, a bunch of guys of like that. I think they're just local fans that you know <laughs> they get to. It's their thing. Like once a year, they flag in Oakland or San Francisco or whatever. Yeah, yeah this dude's done every Anaheim, every San Diego, and I see he's in Vegas. He'll go to Paula. He, see. I, Anywhere he can drive to, he flags. I always thought flaggers were buddies of racers, you know. But why can't it sort of blows that? Th- like why can't was a flagger who didn't have any connection to any racers in the pits, and that blows me away. That's <laughs> well, that was my mistake. That was, I mean, I didn't know. Like I saw the ad in the paper to be a <laughs> auto course race flag right. official or something. Uh, they listed it. And I called, and I was like, please tell me you have opening. <laughs> please. please. Yeah. It's like the green card lottery. Yeah, and exactly. I, I didn't, and then when I saw the rest of the crew, I started to wonder what was going on. We had this guy named Ultimate who would just wear like a one-piece jumpsuit in the middle of the summer because it kept the sun off of him, which kept him cooler. Like, I'm not kidding, a mask. He wore a mask. Ultimate. Keep himself cooler. Just ultimate. Ultimate. 
He had a Why can't we have someone with that nickname in our sport right now? Ultimate. And I would that say should be our goal is to like... give somebody that nickname. Look at him, dude. He's the ultimate. He even brings his own flagman outfit. Wow. The ultimate. And then I started to, after a couple of seasons, I was starting to wonder, I'm like, doesn't seem like the cream of the crop. <laughs> a couple of seasons, though. It took you a couple of seasons. <laughs> well, you would only see everybody for five minutes in the morning, and then right, you're just right. out at your post all day. Right. <laughs> Hold on here. Nobody <laughs> in here is a rocket scientist. Nobody's... This might not be a brain trust. <laughs> Wait, this isn't Menza? We don't go to Menza after? <laughs> <laughs> all right, I got to go talk about yourself. All right, see ya. All right, guys. Sweet. How funny is that? Pretty good times. Yeah, ultimate. Who could we? Who could we throw ultimate on? I don't know. Uh-huh, I don't know. That we need I to, feel like that needs to be a focus. I feel like Dean Wilson would embrace Dean the Ultimate Wilson. Like I feel like he would embrace that. You think so? He's got a pretty good he, personality, and he would he would think that it's funny. Right. You got to have somebody with you know a good sense of humor. You just yeah. you know you can't call. You know, um, yeah, there's a lot of guys you couldn't call that that wouldn't really get it, you know? Right. So, I mean, certainly, you know, you could say James Stewart is the ultimate. He's got all the skill sets that you want as a racer, but, yeah, I don't know. That would just go down bad, though. Right, yeah, yeah. No, you're absolutely right, so. All right, well, let's, let's think about that one. What about you? Oh, I just got a text from Paul Lindsay. Speaking oh, jeez. Uh, Is he listening? Yeah, he wants to know why you're talking shit on his team. <laughs> oh, man. No, I'm kidding. He, he he just texted me and said, do you have a number for J-Law? <laughs> no, I don't. Oh, boy. <laughs> I've never had a number for J-Law. Um, my, my worst job? Or my, what, what, what about me? Let's hear it, yeah. Um, you know, before I became a mechanic and what drove me to be a mechanic, and I talked about this a little bit on a on a podcast I just did with myself. A, a guy called me up and wanted to do a podcast of the story of my career or something or whatever. But what really drove me to, like, say, you know, my racing was pretty much done. I was racing locally. I had a year-old bike. I was hurt all the time. Uh, you know, I wasn't able to practice as much. I was Basically, the dream was crushed. Um, yeah. And I was uh, – I was what really drove me to be like, hey, you're I want, defeated at yeah, this point. Yeah, what what really said I want to be a mechanic, you know, down in the states. I was working uh, four days a week, ten hours a day, three in the morning until one, three in the afternoon till one in the morning, uh, at a saw a sawmill, but not an industrial steel shop. So there was. It was like a sawmill, but only with steel. So, like, big I-beams and, yeah, and girders. <clears throat> well, the, if you worked the saw, that was, like, a good thing. I wanted to be saw boy in the worst way. I was <laughs> I was piss boy of the steel shop. So, basically, they'd be like, hey, go out in the yard and go get, you know, a, literally a 40-foot I-beam of steel and bring it in. So, saw boy would drive the forklift. He'd get the cool job. I would yeah. just have to be the other guy balancing this beam. You know what I mean? Like balancing on the other end to make sure it was good. Then we would get it in the shop. We would measure it out, and he would cut it. But I would never get to cut it. He, I, and, he, and, you know, be, because of the, the sawmill, 
it's cutting through steel, you got to keep an eye on it. You got to keep make sure the there's tons of liquid and lube on the thing, and make sure that it, it's it's cutting good and the blade is still sharp. So you basically got to stand there and make sure that this I beam gets cut properly. Well, me, I was that was just one part of my job. I had to after that I would have to move on like, you know, like handrails like in a when you see a handicap ramp going up yeah. a restaurant. There's always handrails on each side that yeah. are that are round and and um, basically look like ladders or whatever. I we would build those, uh, and I would have to grind each weld on each, you know, right where each tube met. I'd have to grind those welds, and I would, you know, have earplugs on and goggles on and a mask on. But seriously, it would be eight hours of grinding, just grinding, just, just that noise and that smell of burnt steel, and 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 you know, and then basically what we would do is because it's late at night. You would literally, you know, lunch break, okay, we would all go into this little room, sit on buckets, eat our lunch, complain about taxes, the job, government, and then, you know, after a half hour, we'd get up and go back to work. Métis. It was was a terrible job, and I would bicycle to and from the place because I thought, I don't know why, I just, I want to bicycle. So then, you know, at 1 in the morning, 1.30 in the morning, there I am bicycling home in the dark. Waiting to get run down by some drunk driver. Wow. Uh, yeah. So basically, I was like, you know what? This is no. This is not what I want to do. This is not what I need to do in my life. I, I don't know what I need to do, but it's not this. And I thought about going back to school, and I thought about doing all this. And uh, eventually, that job laid me off. They 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 laid me off, and I couldn't. So I. I in, a, in effect, they, they downsized the plant. But to me, I was like, I can't even keep a job grinding you got, handrails. You got fired from the worst job ever. Yeah, right. I mean, you know, it wasn't fire. They, they were making But I still looked at it like that way. I'm like, well, if they really thought I was an awesome grinder, they probably would have found a way to keep me. So um, when I got laid off, I was on unemployment. And like a week or a month into getting unemployment, I'm like, I'm going. Hey, I called Shane Drew, who I knew from racing locally. And said, Shane Drew, you're working for, for, for Kyle Lewis at Nolene. I'm coming down there. Because he had told me on the phone, listen, no one's going to call you in Winnipeg and hire you. you got to come down and meet people. Yeah. And, so, and I get emails all the time from people saying, hey, how do I get into the industry? And I'm always like, you just you got to make it happen. you got to be proactive. No one's going to call you, you know, from wherever you live, buddy. But So, yeah, basically uh, that was it. I, I hung out with Shane Drew, and I met. I met a bunch of people. No one needed a mechanic. I finally I got hired by Jason McCormick to work for the day at Mount Morris in '95. And uh, for the day, for the day, hundred bucks for the day. He went fourteen fourteen on a KX125. Jeez. Um, and then I and then I worked for Jason Fernet, who's a Canadian buddy of mine, for a couple of races. And then I got on with the PJ1 team, PJ1 Extreme team. You worked for that team? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, so Alex. Well, Alex wasn't around Butterhead. then. He wasn't around then. Um, Paggio was Button's mechanic, and I was Corey Keeney's mechanic, and that was it. Yeah, but Alex's dad put that whole thing together. No, I know, but I never met him or knew him or, oh. you know what I mean? Like, it was, to me, it was just, the guy I dealt with was Gary Groth, who owned the dealership, uh, Burnside, Burn, Burnsville Yamaha. Oh, gotcha. So he was the one who said, hey, listen, I'll hire you. But uh, you know, I'm not so sure. I, I know he's no, he known me, he knew me from racing, but he wasn't so sure. So he said, "You know, you're a racer. You're not a mechanic." And uh, 
little did he know I really wasn't a mechanic, but he nailed that one. But uh, I said, hey, I'll work for two weeks or three weeks for free. And if I don't work out, send me home. And he goes, all right, cool. And uh, and that was it. I never really went home again. Do you know what I mean? Like it, it paid yeah. off for me. But but that, that steel job, that steel shop, I was like, oh, my God, this sucks balls. I'm looking at the guy who worked the saw was my hero. Like I'm like, I want to be that guy. And, and He's still sitting on a bucket at one <laughs> thirty in the morning eating his lunch. I know, so. right? And you know, because I mean, the, the saw boy—you had to measure, and you had to figure out which blade you needed. You had to change blades. You had to like—it took a little bit of responsibility to cut this I beam, you know, or cut cut rails or whatever. Yeah. But I felt, and me, I was just literally just the lowest of the low there. So, I, I think I got—I think I made it. I think it was. 14 bucks an hour like it wasn't bad money but it just was i'm like there's no way this just this isn't you know you just get yeah you just you just you're just dirty at the end of the shift shift to just steel particle you know dust fine steel dust everywhere in your body you know it just ah oh, it sucked so yeah, yeah sound like, what about your best job um probably what i'm doing right now seriously um yeah yeah i really enjoy it i i being a mechanic you know being a mechanic was was really cool when your racer's doing well. When he's not, it's not a fun job. Like, I lived, I'm a racer. I raced my whole life for Manitoba Championships, by the way, as you know. Um, so, I'm a racer turned into a mechanic. And to me, the joy of the, of the job was seeing your guy out there, like you said earlier, being invested in him and, and watching him do well. And, and that was the joy of the work was seeing your guy do well. Well, when he's not doing well or when he's injured like Ferry was for a couple of years, um, you know, it sucked. When, when I mean, Nick Way was privateer of the year in 02, and I was living in a box van, uh, driving from person to person that I knew, sleeping in truck stops, showering in truck stops. But yet, I look back on that as a great year because Nick was good. Top privateer, yeah. you know what I mean? The whole, your whole worth, your whole self-worth, is based on how your rider does, and it's such an emotional roller coaster. You know that as a team manager. I'm sure you were the same way. I mean, you probably oh, had yeah. some shitty weekends as a team manager, right? <clears throat> well, <clears throat> just to bring you back to Washougal last year, uh huh. We uh, we had all this new gear, <clears throat> the Steve McQueen gear. They were wanting yep. to debut. It was supposed to be a big weekend. Ben was like coming off a good weekend the weekend before. I think it was Colorado or something. He got on the podium. So we were thinking, all right, you know, we'll get another 450, you know, maybe one of the lights guys can step up, you know. And, right. You know, Tara will be on the podium. We'll have, like, full podium, all of our people. Well, Ben, well, something happened. He crashed and hurt his shoulder in the first moto, like, first lap, remember? He yeah. crashed and whoops yeah. and did his shoulder. Yeah. Seeley takes a rock to the face in his first moto, oh, right, right out of the first turn. Yeah, out of the first turn. He's done for the day. Oh, and there was no women, so it was just those two. That was the deal. Yeah. But before, we, neither one of our guys completed a lap because Ben <laughs> went down on the first lap before he crossed the checkered flag. So literally, while this, you know, before the first motos were over, our tent was packed up, we were closed up and done. Yeah. Never completed a lap that day. Yeah, and and that, and that sucks. You know, I mean. Yeah, because you still do all the work, you know, of, right. like, everything that had to be done during the week and setting the stupid tent up, like you said. And yeah, no, for sure. So All the travel, all the, you know, 
BS. So, you know, to me, that was that was such a roller coaster job. It was when it was good, it was really good, but when it was bad, it was bad. So, th- what I'm doing now, I think, is just the best job. I just think that my worst job in the industry is probably FMF Honda. It was just a shit show, as you knew, as you know. Probably wasn't that bad for you because you were a star rider, but <clears throat> you know, I got that team at first podium, Houston. Oh yeah, was it? Yep, mm-hmm. yep. Got a second, David Billman won mm-hmm. that night. You don't oh. remember that, Houston '98? I don't think I was on the team then. I didn't pick up that team until like uh, halfway through Supercross. Oh, yeah. Well, you those, missed it. Those bikes were slow too. Yeah, yeah. Do you remember the internal the 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 battles between Hooker and Varner? All the time, or you weren't privy to that. Oh God, one guy, each guy had a different way of doing it. Oh, jeez. Yeah, I remember we were running like, <clears throat> what were we running cylinders from like, you know, two or three years prior. Ninety-five, I think. Yeah, ninety-five. Ninety-five. We were running ninety-five CR one twenty-five cylinders. <laughs> Something's wrong right there. When you're going back three years, yeah, <laughs> and pulling a cylinder, going that one's better than what we have now. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it was it was a bad deal. So probably the FMF Honda team was was a clown show. It was just not run well. I was I didn't have a place to live. I was living in, at the race shop on an air mattress. Um, really? Yeah, listening to rats at night run around. Um, oh, I think I remember you telling me that story. Yeah, you yeah. hear them scratching around. Yeah, yeah. At night, I closed the door. They didn't come into the office where I slept. But yeah, it was not good. So probably that yeah. team. But um, but what I'm doing now is good. I, I still get to go to the races. I get into it. I I think I'm good at it. Um, it's a lot of work, but it seems like it's fun and, you know, so whatever. I enjoy what I'm doing now. Do you see yourself doing it long, long term? Um. What's Steve Mathis's plan for the future? I haven't thought that far. I mean, not my whole life. No, what, I'm 37 now. 37? 36? 37. I'm 37. God. Mm. What were you born? 74? 73. Ooh. Yeah. Are you 37 or 38? I'm going to be 38 this year. Yeah. Yeah. Shit. Um, mm-hmm. Okay. So, you know, I can't see myself keeping, you know, another two, three years. I think I'd be done, you know, traveling every weekend. I'd still like to write, though. I enjoy writing. Yeah. I enjoy yeah. doing these type of podcasts and stuff and all that, you know. Yeah. So we'll see what happens. But, um, no, I'm enjoying it now. I just uh, – you know, I just the mechanic thing was great, but it was time, man. I don't know how Goose and Berluti do it. I seriously, no. those guys are my heroes. Like, how do you do that job for that long? Berluti, 90, 1991. 1991. <laughs> He's been 20, 21 years building race bikes. So, uh, it's tough. Yep. I don't know how they do it either. Yeah. Uh, all right, bud. Well, hey, thanks for uh, thanks for coming on. Thank you, Jason Wygant. BTOsports.com, RacerX Podcast Show. Uh, same time, same place next week where, we're, where we actually will talk about a race, Millville, uh, Millville, Minnesota. You know, something for all the Millville locals to look for. Chad Pedersen, the flying Iowan, will be racing. In what class? 450 class. Oh, really? Oh. Yep. Oh shit! We may we may next week be talking about all time bad decisions. <laughs> <clears throat> Is he just Swap's, he... Swap's a good buddy of mine, and he right. just uh, I don't know I don't know what is I can't, I'm like why right I don't know man just gotta, I'm just I'm just gonna go do it that's me fun I'm like yeah. fun really I mean late, late. he's older than I am he's like 
38, 39 maybe. Late I July. Doing. 40 minute motos, 35 minute motos. Yeah, that's yeah. what I'm trying to tell him, but. Will he remember quali- him back in the day? Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Will he qualify? Remember, you remember his trailer? No. We tease him about this all the time. It said Chad Pedersen, the flying island. <laughs> and then it had, it had underneath it, had a, like in quotes, it said, Run ye must or eat my dust. Come on. No, he didn't. I'm telling you. That was the slogan back uh, when he was an amateur. Oh, man. Will he, will he qualify? I think he will. That's yeah. the scary part. Yeah, yeah, he yeah. can still throw down a pretty fast lap. Right, right. He didn't even know. He's like, so how does qualifying work? It's not motos anymore? I'm like, uh, no. <laughs> you got to do like one fast lap. Like, oh, yeah. I'm like, yeah, I know. But then what? Then you got to do two 40-minute motos. Right. Yeah, I'll figure out that out when I get there. Okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, you so, know what? That, that gives me something to look forward to. I like. Uh, I'm into that stuff. So uh, good for him. Well, he lives right there in Waseca, Minnesota now. So. Oh yeah. So anyway. I wonder if I see the trailer. Will it, will it come out? Will it debut? I don't know. I, I really hope that however he gets there, he just adds that slogan to it. Just right. I mean, I'm gonna have him send him down to Home Depot to get a little letter stencils and have him spray that onto his. Van or whatever he's driving. Nice, nice. Run ye must. Or eat my dust. Ye, like, yeah. you know, <laughs> like James, King James. Knights, Knights of the Round Table. <laughs> Knights of the Round Table. Oh, that's funny. All right, bud. All right, thanks. And uh, yeah, we'll see you next week. See you next week. Bye. Bye. This has been the Racer X Podcast with Steve Mathis. Search Pulp MX in the iTunes Store to enjoy the more than 250 episode archive, including the Classics Collection where it all began.